The following is a recorded program of a live show. Please do not call in, but feel free to send messages on our WhatsApp line at 876-283-9533. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May the peace and blessings of God be unto you. Hello dear listeners, welcome once again to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica with your usual program educating the general public on issues, questions and also concerns that they may have about the religion of Islam. I am your host, Imam Ibrahim Fawson. This program is brought to you by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and always as a reminder for the new listeners, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is one of the over 70 denominations in Islam. This community believes in the advent of the reformer of the age in the person of His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community is established across over 200 countries and we believe in peaceful coexistence with God's creation and reject any form of violence. Our motto is love for all and hatred for none. In the course of today's program, if you wish to be part of it, kindly send us your message via WhatsApp and the number is 876-283-9533. Again, 876-283-9533. Today on the program, we are going to look at one of the uh, common questions we receive from the general public as to the need for the Holy Quran if the Bible is sufficient as a guide for us. So I am joined by Imam Tariq Azim, who is president and missionary in charge of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community here in Jamaica, who is going to help um, you know, discuss this topic. Why do we need the Quran if the Bible is supposed to be sufficient to guide us? Imam Tariq, Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the program. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon you and all the listeners. So, as I stated, one of the questions we come across and we also receive from our general public, particularly. Um, largely from among Christian audience of our program is the need for the Holy Quran. And they believe and they know also that um, as Muslims, we believe in the Holy Quran. Unfortunately, some of them might not be aware that we also believe in all the scriptures of Allah the Almighty, which includes the Holy Bible. But then if we believe in the Holy Bible and also believe in the Quran, the question they ask is, why do we need the Quran if the Bible is supposed to be sufficient yes uh, we need the holy quran because number one we believe in it because it is a revealed book of allah the almighty revealed from god almighty the same god that according to us muslims revealed uh, teachings to jesus peace be upon him revealed teachings to prophet moses and many other prophets which are mentioned in the bible and many other prophets that came before them in different parts of the world so we believe in the Holy Quran 
uh, as a scripture, as a holy book, because it is a revealed book, just like, um, you know, any other religion holds fast to their book. Uh, that is the primary reason. But why do we as Muslims need to believe in the Holy Quran when uh, we, you know, on the other hand, believe that Bible is also a revealed book of God Almighty? The reason for that is very simple, that we believe that Bible was a book or the various, uh, you know, books in the Bible. Uh, these teachings were given for specific period of time. They were not forever. They are not for the present day as such. Of course, some of the teachings you can apply today, but the, the date given by God Almighty, the expiration date given by God Almighty has long passed. For example, I mean, Jesus, peace be upon him, when we look at him, what does he say in the Bible? He says, it is recorded in John chapter 16, verse 12. He says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So here, Jesus, peace be upon him, himself is acknowledging that whatever teachings he has given, whatever teachings have preceded him in other script, you know, in the prophets that came before him, none of those teachings are sufficient. Okay. He and whatever he has been revealed is not sufficient. Something there is more to come yet. And the reason he, has, he cannot, you know, him as a prophet, uh, has a spiritual insight, but uh, normal humans, normal people do not have that understanding that prophets have. Therefore, it is not possible to, for, you know, uh, or it is not appropriate to give all the teachings at once. For example, I mean, think of it as a, as a child that goes into grade, um, uh, you know, goes into kindergarten, goes into like start school. The teacher might know the course up to even high school or even college or university, what the child might be learning in his future. Yeah. But he's, he or she is not going to give that or teach that or even try to teach that to the child at that very small age. Knowing that the student that I have in my class, they, based on their level, based on their understanding, this is what I can share with them. So for that reason, Jesus, peace be upon him, was given some teachings, uh, teachings that were necessary and could be understood and implemented by the people at that time. But those were never the, the final teachings. Those were never sufficient for the times to come. If those were sufficient, why would Jesus, peace be upon him, would, you know, would say that I have many more things to say, but you cannot bear them. And then he even says some, somebody will come and give them, give those teachings to the mankind. So this is a very clear indication. If you're interested, this is chapter, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 12. Then also, I mean, um, look at Deuteronomy, book of Deuteronomy, chapter 33, verse 2. We have discussed this verse here um, a few times. Yeah. Uh, it, is it is recorded that, and he said, the Lord came from Sinai and rose up from Seir unto them, and he shined forth from Mount Paran, and he came with 10,000 of saints, from his right hand went a fiery law for them. So here again, I mean, God Almighty is discussing uh, coming, his coming, his manifestation. First manifestation, Lord came from Sinai, the coming of Prophet Moses, rose up from Seir. Seir is a range of mountains in, uh, in near the area where Prophet Jesus was born. So again, that was a manifestation of God Almighty. And then it uh, prophecies or foretells the third 
manifestation of God Almighty uh, through another prophet. And the, where is that? It, it says, he shined forth from Mount Paran and he came with 10,000 of saints. From his right hand went a fiery law for them. So if you see here, there is a mention uh, of another prophet, a greater prophet in a way, uh, which more description is given in comparison to, uh, to Prophet Moses and Jesus. And it is explained that what kind of law, what kind of teachings, religious teachings he will bring from his right hand went a fiery law for them. So this is another example that there was more to come always. Um, if somebody is unclear um, how this may refer to coming of the, uh, you know, more teachings later on, they should look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. So this is Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. It is recorded that, and as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were the Christ or not, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I comes, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather uh, the wheat into his garner, but the shaft he will burn with the fire unquenchable. So here again, Jesus, uh, not Jesus, John actually, is talking about coming of another prophet who is, uh, you know, who will uh, be baptizing not with water, but with fire. And, uh, you know, his uh, basically says that he will burn the shaft with the unquenchable fire again. So all these things are mentioned and, and, and it cannot be referring to Jesus here, but that is 100% yeah. sure why that is. Because you see that uh, Jesus comes right after this, this sermon uh, or this discussion was happening and he gets baptized <laughs> by uh, Prophet John. So it goes to show you that it's, it's the spirit of truth mentioned in John 16, 12. And then the, the person that is to come who's uh, regarding whom John says that I'm not even worthy of, uh, you know, unloosening his, uh, his, his, his shoes. It is a whole different being. So somebody was supposed to come. Bible or the New Testament or the Old Testament was never sufficient on its own to, to purify and to purge. Uh, the mankind from their sins. Yes, for a time being, it was the teaching that was that needed to be followed by by certain people. But at the same time, this was not a permanent teaching. This was not an eternal teaching in the sense that not a teaching that was gonna going to last till the last day of uh, of the existence of mankind. For that, as Prophet uh, Moses said, as Prophet uh, John and uh, and Prophet Jesus, their actions have uh, you know exemplified that this was someone else that was supposed to come, the spirit of truth, somebody who was going to baptize not with water. Even Jesus or the followers of Jesus today, they baptize with water. So th this is a complete different category. Just to mention that why it says baptizing with fire, first we need to understand that why baptism with water is done. One particular reason, yes, water is a source of spiritual life as well, but at the same time, the main thing is, that it, 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 we use water to wash things off, stains off our clothes and you know whatnot. So similarly, water uh, removes our mistakes, our sins from us in a way. It is a way of purifying us. 
Yes, it is. But at the same time, when it is said fire, fire is something that we, uh, you know, uh, we believe, we understand, and scientifically as well, that it is a higher and better way of cleaning and purifying things. It kills all kinds of germs and whatnot. And that's exactly what is mentioned here. That is why the word fiery law. And then John also saying that, you know, um, he will baptize with fire and uh, he will, uh, the shaft, he will burn with fire unquenchable. These words are used because the, the teachings that he will give, the law that he will bring, Prophet yeah. Muhammad, peace upon him, referred to here, that he will bring, uh, it will um, purify uh, to a degree that, uh, you know, baptism with water or the Bible in itself can never achieve, can never do. So this is one of the reasons that we believe in the Bible. Yes, it came from God Almighty, but at the same time, uh, it does not have that same spiritual power for this day and age as the Holy Quran, the scripture that we as Muslims believe in. Thank you. Thank you very much. And if you just joined us, you are listening to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community with your usual program. And today we are uh, discussing what uh, the need is for God Almighty to give us the Holy Quran, even though the Bible is also with us. Why do we need the Quran if the Bible is supposed to be sufficient and Imam Tariq Azim is explaining why God the Almighty uh, had to send down the Holy Quran to us giving us some of the instances that calls for a new book and um, you spoke about the um, statement Jesus Christ may peace be upon him made in John chapter 16 verse 12 where he said that uh, I have many things to tell you but you cannot bear them now. And that indicates that the human mental capacity was not ready, was not matured enough to um, you know, accept all the messages, all the complete you know, um, religious code of ethics that people needed to know if they were given at that time. And also the level of protection of the scripture was not that um, available as at the time Jesus Christ came. And even the previous prophets who came, some of them like 2,000 years before Jesus Christ came. Imam Tariq, um, let's look at the, are there some differences in target of audience for those books, the Holy Quran and the Bible? Um, were, they, were the Quran and Bible given to the whole humanity or they were given to specific people? if you can um, differentiate that. Yes, um, there is a big difference between the two books in the target audience as well. Um, the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, by no means it is a guidance for the whole mankind, for the whole world, no. It does not apply to North America, South America, Asia, Africa, uh, or most parts of the world. It is for a specific part, a specific people. It is you know, later on that people turned it, uh, people who had uh, basically uh, went against the teaching of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, and made it a book uh, or teaching for all the people or tried to give it to all the people, tried to, uh, you know, uh, make it a religion for uh, the whole of mankind. No, but it was by Jesus, uh, his way, his style, his, the way he approached it, that is how we need to understand the religion. 
Jesus, peace be upon him, believed that it was only for the people of Israelites. That is it. It was not for all of humanity. It was not for the whole world. It was not for our country, Jamaica. It was not for most countries of the world, except for specific people. That's all it came to. When we look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 to 27, we read about a lady who was not a, an Israelite, and she comes to Jesus, peace be upon him. Uh, I'll read the account from the Bible, and you can uh, understand it for yourself. It is mentioned that, Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is important. He's, no, Jesus said. You have to say that. Yeah. What he says is, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Serious. She's referring to people who are not of the lost sheep of Israel uh, as, as dogs. And he says that it is not for me to take the bread of the children and give it to them. It goes on to say, and she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. So when she says this, Jesus, peace be upon him, then shows some kindness and mercy and goes and prays for the, for the daughter uh, of that lady that was uh, crying, that was you know, asking for prayers. But even at that point, you notice that he does not expect that lady to believe in him. He does, he does not even want to preach to her in any way because she is not from the house of Israel. She's not um, an Israelite, so to speak. She is not from that nation that Jesus, peace be upon him, was commissioned to. So Jesus, peace be upon him, throughout his life, made sure that the boundaries that God Almighty has fixed for him, he stays within those boundaries. He does not want to preach to other people and going against the command of God Almighty, where God has told him that you are sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So this is Matthew 15. Uh, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, verse, 20, uh, verse 24, where he said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then again, I mean, Jesus himself, that was his practice. But okay. when you look at other places, what he taught his disciples, that is also uh, a good place to see that, you know, were they supposed to preach to all of mankind or were they supposed to preach to a specific group? So when we open the Gospel of Matthew again, chapter 10 this time, so it talks about how Jesus basically gathers the disciples. Um, I will read from uh, verse when, uh, verse, first verse, and I'll go on to first six verses, reading the first six verses. This is Matthew chapter 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal the manner, heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now the names... Of the 12 apostles are these, 
the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. So next verse, second and third, goes on to mention the names, even up to four. Then in the fifth verse, it is mentioned, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. He forbids them. He forbids them to go into the Gentiles or even entering the city of Samaritans. Then it sa he says in the next verse, Jesus says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay. So again, we see very clearly that Jesus, peace be upon him, very strictly himself followed this teaching that his message was only for the, for the people of Israel, for the people uh, that prophet Moses had been preaching to and so on other prophets. And this is exactly the same teaching that he gave to his disciples as well. And he strictly forbade them to go on, go on to other, other, other nations, other peoples. And this is, I mean, those uh, uh, people that came after Jesus, peace be upon him, if they did this, if they went on to preach to the Gentiles and other people that were not, uh, you know, belonging to the family or the house of Israel, they went against teaching of Jesus, peace be upon him. So if today the religion uh, is spread across the world, it is not within the wish of Jesus, peace be upon him. Jesus, peace be upon him, said that don't go and preach to all these random people. It, it, I am only commissioned to this group of people. If you get a million other people and my own people that I'm supposed to convert, if they don't believe in me, then I have not fulfilled my job. Interesting. The reason for that is because, see, God Almighty loves all of humanity. God Almighty has sent prophets to all these different places throughout the history. Each of those prophets is responsible for his own area. So Jesus, peace be upon him, is responsible for his area. He's commissioned to that region. So if a people of another region believe in Jesus while they were supposed to believe in their own prophet, which, were, which had uh, you know, uh, teachings given based on those people, based on that region. Now, it is pointless for them to believe in Jesus because Jesus, peace be upon him, his teachings are only specific to his period, to his region, to his area. So this is something that, uh, that I, um, uh, you know, when we look at the Bible, we see very clearly uh, that how today, the, the way this religion is perceived by people being a universal religion, it is absolutely not a universal religion. Again, I'm not taking anything away from the religion, Jesus, peace be upon him, was a great prophet of God Almighty, a very noble and respectful person. All prophets of God Almighty are, you know, worthy of uh, being obeyed, being obeyed and emulating their qualities. But believing in this sense and following in this sense that saying that I'm a follower of this prophet that does not even want to be associated with me. How, what good result is that going to bring, you know? So the people of Christian faith who hold fast to the Christian faith today in various parts of the world, including our island, I mean, they, they should know that they were never required to believe in Jesus, peace be upon him, in this manner. If our, our Christian brothers and sisters have believed in Christianity because of God Almighty, because uh, they feel that this is an obligation to God Almighty, then they should know that God on the day of judgment will not ask them if you accepted Jesus or not. But he would ask them 
if you accepted the prophet that was sent to you and your people take wow. the example i mean if there is uh, if there is a, there are exams happening for 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 a high school student and he studies for chemistry or science all night next morning he has math mathematics exam yeah he studies all night studying you know lo- uh, looking up science and chemistry and going through books after books what good is that going to do for him on the next day exam the Nothing. next day the teacher ha- hands him the exam and he looks at it and he hasn't prepared for that at all and his excuse is that i was studying for chemistry and i i am as good as any <laughs> uh, you know a uh, person who has studied chemistry he may be but it is not going to do any good to that person so this is important to understand for our uh, brothers and sisters i say with with sympathy that look at these teachings of the bible don't just follow because the people have given you this religion were are we even supposed to follow this religion this is the question that we need to ask ourselves and again i do not dis- mean to disrespect uh prophet jesus in any way because as muslims we love prophet jesus peace be upon him just like we love Certainly. all other prophets of god almighty but we have to listen to what they are saying not what people after them made up of the religion and that is you know they will not be responsible for what the people have done to their religions what they preached some of that good guidance is still available in the bible when we look at it we know that you know this is what our religion teaches us this is what he taught us or this is what prophet jesus peace be upon him taught us and it does not even apply to us in some of the cases so therefore i very humbly urge my brothers and sisters uh, particularly of the christian faith that please look at the bible in this manner and see what jesus peace be upon him actually wants of you or wants uh, his religion to be like and then you will realize that uh, the teachings of jesus peace be upon him are not universal but for a particular group and for an era that has long passed on the other hand when we look at the teachings of the holy quran um that were given to the uh, to prophet muhammad peace be upon him the the man that was mentioned in the in the bible as the spirit of truth he has been mentioned as prince of peace he has been mentioned as the one uh, who will baptize with fire who will you know uh, so many things have been mentioned in the bible about him he himself uh, has been told by god almighty to make certain claims that he is a universal prophet that's what makes someone a universal prophet when god tells you to make that claim with jesus or any other prophet of god almighty never made we look at the holy quran now we open chapter 21 verse 108 god almighty says wama arsalnaka illa rahmatan lil alamin god almighty while addressing prophet muhammad he says <laughs> oh muhammad we have sent you as mercy as a mercy for all peoples all the peoples this is no boundary no boundary then again another verse of the holy quran chapter 7 verse 159 god almighty states in the holy quran قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ إِنِّي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِلَيْكُمْ جَمِيعًا God tells Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him here to say O mankind truly I am a messenger to you all from Allah so here again we see that the claim is given 
by Allah the Almighty to Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, meaning to proclaim that he is a prophet, he is a messenger for all mankind. See, no one can or should make the claim from his own accord. They say what they revealed from God Almighty, these prophets and these messengers. If God Almighty makes Prophet Muhammad, so, uh, peace so. be upon him, a universal prophet and another, he doesn't. Um, this is the plan of God Almighty and this is what God Almighty has desired. So we as followers, we as believers in God Almighty, we believe whatever Allah the Almighty tells us. See, this is the prophet, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, sure. regarding whom, which we have learned, and uh, you know, I have mentioned the verses earlier, earlier, has been repeatedly discussed in the Bible as the prophet to come. So Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is that prophet, the same prophet as I mentioned, as I referred to earlier, spirit of truth, the prince of peace, the greatest prophet of them all. And his message, that is the Holy Quran that was revealed by Allah the Almighty, uh, its target audience is all of humanity. And this is a universal message and it is to last, it is to benefit us, it is to uh, guide us in every sort of situation that we might face all the way uh, till the last day of our existence, of mankind's existence on this earth. Interesting, Imam Tariq Azim. And um, you have given uh, quite a number of um, useful, um, you know, information as to uh, backing the point why um, some of the books referring to the Holy Quran and the Bible, why the Bible was targeted to a specific tribe and nations, while uh, on the other hand, we will look at the Holy Quran, which is of course sent to the entire mankind. And um, you gave among the points you gave, I would want to reiterate some of the verses you um, I mean, cited as evidence, of course, as evidence to back the case. In the first one, you spoke about Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to up to 28, where a lady from Canaan came to Jesus Christ, may peace be upon him, for him to save her daughter who was afflicted with some kind of a disease. And Jesus Christ said clearly that I was not sent unto you. However, his message was sent unto only the children of Israel. Um, the, the, the further discussion is not, um, is not uh, kind of palatable in the sense that when the lady persisted or insisted that Jesus Christ should pay attention to her, he described her as a, a dog. Basically, not only her, but people who are outside the children of Israel, who the message was not targeted to, given the parable of um, it is not worthy to give food which is meant for the children to the dogs. That is something that I believe those who are listening to us can take a good lesson from because this is speaking, I mean, from the horse's own mouth. Jesus Christ himself is saying that he was not sent to the whole world and he was only sent to the children of Israel. And um, if he were to be alive today, he would denounce all the people across the world who are not part of the tribe of Israel who are following him or following his message because the message was not meant to them. These are some important, important notes to, you know, uh, think deeply about. And as you said, if a student um, is studying 
chemistry while he's going to write mathematics as a test of course is going to be counterproductive because um, God Almighty is going to ask each and every one of us as to the instructions that was sent to you specifically as to whether you believed in it or you disbelieved in that and then also you have established that unlike the Bible the Holy Quran clearly states that it was sent to the entire mankind um, there are several places you mentioned two of them but then right from the beginning of the Holy Quran it states that all praise belongs to Allah Lord of all the words so the Holy Quran is the first ever book to have described God as Lord of all the words unlike in the Bible where we see God addressed as only God of Israel and if you are listening to us please think deeply about some of the information we are passing you know um, to you as to whether the bible was meant for the entire mankind but then today the main topic we are discussing is why do we need the quran if the bible is sufficient and if you want to if you have any question or difficulty that you need some clarification for you can send us your message and your comments to our whatsapp line 2839533 again 2839533 Imam Tariq let's look at another question I have for you which of course I believe talking about why we need the Quran if the Bible is sufficient I believe our listeners may be also wondering um, to know that um, if we study the the history of the bible we understand and we read that it has gone through several um, ages of transformation or interpolation can you give some information with regards to that because of course this is not a secret it is something that most christians are aware that the bible has gone through several changes in terms of compilation in terms of um, you know bringing it to the state that we have it today what do you share with us regarding that? Yes, um, all the religious texts that have been uh, scriptures, we reveal scripture from God Almighty from time immemorial till today. Um, we notice that, you know, most of them, with the one or one exception, I'll come to that later, of course, uh, have all gone through interpolation and changes. When we find some old, old scripture, maybe even from before the time of Prophet Jesus, for, you know, um, in India, in South America, in North American, um, uh, you know, people that live there, we find that whatever uh, they have, it is not in the original form, or it is not possible to come to this conclusion that this is uh, still in its original form or not, because it has gone through interpolation. And Bible, uh, again, is no exception in this category, because Bible has gone through immense changes over the past 2000 years. The biblical canon, the, the, the book that we hold today in our hands, this book, uh, it, it was not always like this. Many centuries after Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, it was decided that these are the books by ordinary people. When I say ordinary people, not, not prophets of God or messengers of God, by ordinary religious leaders or political leaders, they sat down and they decided that what is going to be part of this book and what's not going to be part of this book. And this is not a secret at all. I, I, I will present a passage from uh, a very well-known um, history website 
history.com um, and they have written um, a long essay on the history of the Bible. It explains that how the Bible was compiled. So I quote it from there. It says, surviving documents from the fourth century show that different councils within the church released lists to guide how various Christian texts should be treated. The earliest known attempt to create a canon in the same respect as the New Testament was in second century Rome by Marcion, a Turkish businessman and a church leader. Marcion's oh. work focused on the gospel of Luke and the letters of Paul, disapproving of the effort the Roman church expelled Marcion. So this is in second century after Jesus, much after, more than a hundred years have elapsed. And yeah. now the effort is being made. And even that effort is, is, is expelled by the Roman church, the main, um, uh, you know, Christian, only pretty much Christian body at that time, the main one. Yeah. And Roman church expelled Marcion. Then it talks about the same article uh, about a man by the name of Tatian. And he again, uh, some uh, in the same century, sometime after, tried to compile. But even that did not, you know, was not... Uh, considered to be the final or the, uh, good enough. It was not, the article says, it was not until the fifth century that all the different Christian churches came to a basic agreement on biblical canon. Now think about it, more than 400 years have passed, fifth century. The book that eventually, the books that were eventually considered canon reflects the times they were embraced as much as the times of the events they portray. So now think about it, more than 400 years passed, that's when they finally decided that this is going to be the book and all other books that we have, uh, you know, uh, that are related or associated with the time of prophet Jesus or earlier prophets, we're, we're not going to include them in there. For whatever reason, why they came to that conclusion, of course, they, they would have had lengthy uh, council meetings and whatnot. And in that they decided, people decided, not God Almighty, yeah. not a prophet of God Almighty, but people decided that what is going to be part of the Bible, what's not going to be the part of the Bible. <laughs> so how do we know that it, what they rejected was not something more worthy of being in the Bible? How do we know that what they included in the Bible is absolute truth? You know, on what basis were they uh, doing all this? This was all their own guess. I wouldn't say guesswork, but some form of study on their own, not something revealed that this is how the Bible is supposed to be. Again, many people uh, don't know this basic uh, history of the Bible. And, you know, when they look at it, when they understand it, that's when they realize that, um, you know, uh, this is something that has gone through a lot of changes over the years. And now there is many other complications as well. Okay. okay. Because... See, it's hard to know that which version of the Bible is correct. For example, in Egypt, uh, in 1896, they found Gospel of Mary. Gospel of Mary, something that's not included in the present-day Bible. In 1945, it is mentioned that they discovered up to 50 different Bibles known as Gnostic Bible. G-N-O-S-T-I-C. Gnostic Bibles. <clears throat> then there is Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Philip. And then the Gospel of Philip, which suggests that Jesus actually got married to Mary Magdalene. I mean, that's the reason I mentioned, because this is such a big and famous point, and it has been highlighted in some places in different, uh, you know, in different uh, 
um, media and whatnot. So again, look at these all these different accounts that are coming out of these these gospels. How do we know that one is more true than the other? Just because a group of people sat down and said that they, we are going to reject these gospels and we're going to take these in, in there which there are we find many uh, inconsistencies. That being a separate point, but just the fact that what gives me or another person, any ordinary human being who's not prophet of God Almighty, any authority to say that this is a word of God and this is not a word of God. Also, we don't have any information as to the their sincerity and their honesty, those who are going to do that job, because uh, undertaking such a huge responsibility requires some form of integrity. So that if the person finds any teaching which is contrary to their own personal beliefs, they will be, you know, easily ready to throw it, discard it, and then either replace it or leave the place vacant. It is, it is, it is quite strange if we have a book of God being subject to human, um, you know, choice as to what should be added and what not to be added. That is the problem. Indeed, indeed. And even today, I mean, when we look at it, uh, our Catholic brothers and sisters, they have a different set of books in, the, in their Bible in comparison to the Protestants, right? So again, um, within English translations of the Bible, we see so many different versions. Some versions would include some verses of the Bible, others will not. And when you pinpoint those verses that how come this verse has been pulled out of this Bible when it exists in this uh, version of the Bible, for example, the oldest version is King James Version yeah. in English. We show that and this, uh, somebody might say, oh, because it was later uh, understood that this, is, this was not actually supposed to be part of the Bible. <laughs> then why was it there in the first place? That's so this throws terrible. the whole thing into suspicion uh, and doubt that, you know, we cannot say conclusively that this book is from God Almighty because it has gone through so many changes. I would just like to bring one more example here from the same article from history.com. Yeah. Um, it talks about King James Version. Again, it was written in 1600, and it goes to show us the, the, the issue that we are discussing here. The article says, first printed in 1611, this edition of the Bible, King James Version, was commissioned in 1604 by King James I after feeling political pressure from Puritans and Calvinists demanding church reform and calling for a complete restructuring of church hierarchy. In response, James called for a conference at Hampton Court Palace, during which it was suggested to him that there should be a new, a new translation of the Bible since versions commissioned by earlier monarchs were felt to be corrupt. So people were acknowledging that the earlier versions had become corrupt and therefore something needs to be redone. So again, when you have all those uh, corrupt versions in front of you, how do you go about re-translating, remaking a new book when you're uncertain about everything? I mean, key point being that over the, over the centuries from fifth century or even before, all the way approaching to the 17th century, there had been so many changes and this was the issue that was raised uh, in this in this meeting that you know they need to come up with a new translation because it, it, it Bible had been um, corrupted by people so to speak over the time. Then the article says King James eventually agreed and decreed the new translation should speak in contemporary language using common recognizable terms. James' purpose was to unite the warning 
varying religious factions through a uniform holy text. Now, this is important. See, the purpose is not to um, present present the authentic verses, but to reconcile between the warring factions. Exactly. So you can you can see that political influence has had a lot of uh, there has been a lot of political influence in selecting of the books of the Bible as well as its translation and what to be kept and what not to be kept in there. Yes, there, it, it still contains many good teachings that Prophet Jesus or earlier prophets uh, had given. But at the same time, because it has gone through so many changes in uh, interpolation, human interpola interpolation, that we cannot conclusively say that this or that part is actually the revealed part because it is so mixed up with, the, with all these other uh, human added texts that uh, you know, we cannot give guarantee about any part of it anymore. Thank you, Imam Tariq Azim. And um, if you just joined us, you are listening to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, um, answering your questions and also giving you the information that you need to know about the religion of Islam. Today, we are answering the question as to why we need the Holy Quran, if the Bible is supposed to be sufficient. And Imam Tariq Azim has taken us through a lot of reasons that make the Bible um, not completely as a universal book that uh, we need to get a, a book that can stand the test of time and that is with the Holy Quran. Basically, I you know, urge listeners to take into consideration. I know that there is this feeling that if you have believed in something for quite a long time and all of a sudden you hear some kind of information regarding it which does not match what you expect to hear you might you know either um you know be be, be put off but then let's look at we are talking about guidance our spiritual guidance as to how to present ourselves as we all believe in the life after death and also accountability before god the almighty we are looking at how we can present ourselves in the best manner possible before our maker if we are called and we are asked some of these questions. Just ask yourself if you go to a courtroom and you present evidence and you have some of the evidence taken out, some of them revised, you know, with different versions, would that evidence be accepted in any serious court? It is not going to be possible. And um, sometimes we find it very difficult to even reconcile some verses that you know exist in some of the um, versions of the bible that we have today and i have come across a number of people during preaching you quote some verse to look for it in their bible it doesn't exist it's been taken out completely and there are over 30 or more than that verses that have been taken out completely from other you know bibles because the the message that they contain are not what others would want people would want to hear and um, this is what Imam Tariq is taking us through. Um, Imam Tariq, let's look at the Holy Quran. You have given us the series of, you know, if I should say, transformation the Bible has gone through. And also the fact that people at a point had to gather to see which of the, um, the books they have to accept and which one they have to ignore. Let's look at the Holy Quran. Has it also suffered such a human interpolation? If any. Holy Quran, on the other hand, has not gone through any human interpolation. No change has been made 
from what or the way it was revealed to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. You know, when we when I, I mentioned earlier that when we look at other scriptures, not just the Bible, but any scripture from before the Bible as well, all of them have gone through changes. There's only one book that has not gone through changes is Holy Quran. Why that is, you have to understand that. See, as I mentioned, uh, we, we discussed it earlier in the program today, that the teachings of the Bible, particularly as we've been discussing today, were for a particular group of people, and it was limited to a particular era, particular time. For this reason, God Almighty uh, revealed the teachings, but did not as such care to have those teachings preserved because a, a, a greater prophet or a prophet with the you know, complete set of teachings was to appear yet. And God Almighty was going to undertake the safeguarding of that book when the time came. So all the earlier books, because they were not going to be uh, you know, books for, for the, you know, until the day of judgment, basically, for that reason, they were not given this, this uh, protection. They were revealed from God Almighty, or much yeah. of the text of those books was revealed from God Almighty. But because they were not books for all of mankind and to last till the last day of judgment, that's why they were not given this special protection. The Holy Quran, on the other hand, as we talked earlier, as I mentioned, a couple of verses from the Holy Quran where Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was Salam, told Salam. that you've been sent to all of mankind. And your message basically will is the final message that, that I have given you complete message. It is written in the Holy Quran chapter 5. So the safeguarding and protection of the Holy Quran, this particular scripture was undertaken by God Almighty uh, and it was not done for any other scripture for the reasons I have mentioned already. In chapter 15, verse 10 of the Holy Quran, God Almighty says, Inna nahnu zikra wa inna lahu The translation is that verily, God Almighty says, verily we ourselves have sent down this exhortation, this book, and most certainly we will be its guardian. So here, God Almighty himself says that we are the ones who have sent down this book, but we will be its guardian as well. We will make sure that no change occurs in this book. So God Almighty, the same God who had revealed the earlier books as well, took the care to make sure that this book does not go, go through any interpolation. First thing, God Almighty prepared the people the, you know, who were the first addressees of this um, of this scripture, the Arabs. Yeah, yeah. He prepared those people with extraordinary memory at that time. The area, the Arabs, uh, people that lived in that region, were mostly, mostly illiterate. Their history was, you know, recorded down and uh, passed down through, um, through memory, orally. So because of that, people memorized their history um, in forms of poetry or in other ways and memorize it word by word and narrated it down to their and their you know, generations and onwards. It went. So the Holy Quran, it was revealed to those people who had extremely sharp memory that could memorize books after books in, in their own language. So Holy Quran, when it was revealed, there were hundreds or even perhaps thousands of people in the time of Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that had memorized the entire Holy Quran. If ever 
for example, one person even slight, forgot even a slight word of that book, another person or thousand other people would have actually corrected him that no, that is not how it is. This is how it, it was revealed. So there was never a chance of a mistake in there because of so many people having it memorized word by word from beginning till the end. Then also we look at the fact that as soon as uh, you know, the verses were revealed to the prophet, um, he would call the scribes and have it written down um, you know, uh, on parchments or skins or whatever uh, their modes were, different means. And later on, they were compiled. Whenever a verse was revealed, Prophet Muhammad would tell, upon him, he would tell his companion where this verse is to be placed in which chapter as yeah. God Almighty had revealed to him. So this was something that the Bible didn't, you know, this way of organizing, Bible did not enjoy. I mean, the protection, the companions memorized it, yes, and it was written down immediately as well, yes. But at the same time, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, took extra care to protect uh, the, the text of the Holy Quran. He said that whatever my words are, whatever I say, you can, of course, memorize it. People learn religion from him. He said, you cannot write them down. So that they don't get confused with the Holy Quran. Okay. Exactly. With the, with the Bible, we face this challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the Holy Quran, we notice that um, the, uh, there has been a protection given. And then the Prophet, peace be upon him, himself took extra care to make sure that there was no change made at all to this, to this, to this book. So even when he had passed away, uh, the text was already there. It was already written down. But more importantly, it was in the memory of thousands of people at that time. And Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, if we were to send uh, you know, uh, some people away to preach, send people, some, some people away to educate another new tribe that might have recently converted to Islam, he would send one or two of those people or more of those people uh, that had memorized the Holy Quran could, so the, they could go and teach. And then they would go into those new tribes and teach those people as well. So the way, you know, thousands of people across Arabia had memorized the Holy Quran, it was impossible. It was impossible that there could be any change made to any, you know, to the text, to the words of the Holy Quran. And that's how it was protected by God Almighty. And again, even today, there are perhaps million or even more people who have memorized the Holy Quran from beginning till the end. I'm not talking about the portions. I'm talking about the entire scripture being memorized. And this how it has gone protected even until today. And it will go on all the way till the day of judgment. And I believe if I allow you, you have a lot to say under that question. But then one thing I would want to also uh, re-echo, of course, you mentioned that that is the ability to memorize the Holy Quran, which was not given to any scripture before it. And due to the language in which it was revealed, and also as you mentioned, the Arabs' um, ability to memorize, that was one of the um, factors Allah the Almighty you know, used to protect the Holy Quran. And today there are millions, even before the Prophet died, it is reported that there were over 500 people who had memorized the whole Holy Quran, who are called in Islam as Hufaz. That is the prayer of the word Hafiz. And a Hafiz is a person who has committed the entire Holy Quran to memory that you can call the person and he will recite it from A to Z, beginning to, beginning to end. 
this is not um, given to any book and another important thing we need to also know is that throughout the world muslims all over the world over 1.8 billion muslims have memorized aspects of the holy quran even if they have not memorized entirely for or the quran they have memorized aspects and even the person who converts into islam just today is able to commit to memory the first seven verses of the holy quran which is usually used in prayers called the surah to fatiha it is very difficult usually when i ask some pastors to read the first seven verses of genesis chapter 1 verse 1 up to 7 it is just mess it is not something that could be done and this is one of the the privileges allah the almighty has given to muslims in terms of protecting the holy quran and if you had any concern or question to ask please send us your message via whatsapp and the number is 876-283-9533 thank you imam tariq azim and also to you the wonderful listener without you this program wouldn't be as beautiful as it is unfortunately this is all that time would allow on today's program until we come your way next time with another interesting episode from the ahmadiyya muslim community it's love for all and hatred for none. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Kashafat duja bejamalehi Balagalula bekamalehi Kashafat duja Bejamalihi Hasuna Jamiyo Khisalihi Salud